And this is not your traditional Easter message. For although we look forward to the meal to come, let us first feast on this meal. Revelation chapter 4. Have you ever been accused of living in a bubble? I've been accused of living in a bubble. I've been accused of living in a bubble of protection from my parents, that I never experienced certain things, and for a lot of that, I'm glad, and I appreciate that. At the seminary, we say we live in the, the seminary bubble. We, I work there. I live there. I go to school there. All in the same area, same group of people, and so there is a seminary bubble. And so this idea means that you live a sheltered life, at least for most of us. But for a young Texas boy named David, it meant something else. See, David was born in 1971. David had, a, had to live in a specially constructed, sterile plastic bubble his whole life because he had an immune deficiency. He lived in this bubble his whole life, 12 years. From the moment he was born, shortly after, they placed him in this bubble, and that's how he lived his life. Unfortunately, he died at the age of 12 from complications associated with his deficiency, but now, thankfully, because of his life, children who experience the same deficiency are actually able to be treated and go on to live normal lives. But I submit to you today that we also have a deficiency. We suffer from a a deficiency of doxology. We suffer from a doxological deficiency. Now, you may be wondering, what do I mean by that? Well, let me quote the great English preacher Charles Spurgeon, what he once said to his congregation. He said, Beloved friends, we may well continue to praise God, for our God continues to give us causes for praise. But yet, that simple theology, that simple belief that God continually gives us reasons to praise His name seems to be lacking in our culture and, sadly, in some of our churches. I know even in my own life, I can get so wrapped up in just the busyness of everything, busyness of life, that I can, I can go to class and I can, I can go to work And then I come home, and I sit down to a meal, and my kids say, Dad, don't we need to pray? And that's the first I've thought, really, about God that day. The first I pause to praise Him for His provision, to thank Him for who He is. But thankfully, I believe our doxological deficiency can be corrected And Revelation chapter 4 gives us a great place to begin to find the answer to our problem. Revelation chapter 4 and and the following chapter remind us of two great reasons why we can worship God. Chapter 5 focuses on that of the Son and the redemption that He provides. But chapter 4 focuses on the Father and on His act of creation. And when we put these two acts together... 
God the Father in His act of creation and God the Son in His act of redemption, how can we fail to worship our King? If you would, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank You for this morning, the opportunity that we have to feast on the meat of Your Word. Lord God, I pray that we would find nourishment for our souls, nourishment for our spirits. God, that we would walk away satisfied, yet at the same time longing for more, longing for the day when you return, longing for the day when you call us home, longing to hear another word from you. Lord God, have your way with us. Break our hearts, break our spirits, and prepare us to worship you fully. Have your way with this time. May your word go out and not return void. Pray this in the holy and precious name of your Son, by the power of your Spirit. Amen. Look with me, beginning in verse 1. After this, I looked. This is John, the apostle, writing. After this I looked, and there in heaven was an open door. The the first voice that I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and a throne was set there in heaven. One was seated on that throne, and the one seated looked like jasper and carnelian stone, a rainbow that looked like an emerald surrounded the throne. And around that throne were 24 thrones. And on those thrones sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes with gold crowns on their heads. Flashes of lightning and rumblings of thunder came from the throne. Seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Something like a sea of glass similar to crystal was also before the throne. Four living creatures covered with eyes in front and in back were in the middle and around the throne. So John, in chapter 4, he begins his second vision that we find in the book of Revelation. The first vision we looked at about a year ago uh, of his letters, Jesus' letters to the seven churches. But in this vision, it begins much like his first vision, Jesus speaks with a voice like a trumpet and commands John, come up here, come into heaven, walk through this door and see what must take place. And John says he was immediately in the spirit and he was able to see into the throne room of heaven. And notice where John's eyes are immediately drawn. Immediately they go to the main throne and the one who is seated on that throne. And John describes this being on the throne. His description of the one on the throne is is actually drawn and quite similar to the prophet Ezekiel's description. If you go back and read the book of Ezekiel, you'll find a a lot of same illustrations, same ideas there. Notice how he describes God on this throne. He compares him to jasper and carnelian stone. Your your version may say other types of stone. But here's the idea. When When I walk into a Bass Pro Shop, 
You know where my eye immediately goes? Not the fishing poles. The boats. The fishing boats, right? The bass boats. Why? Because they're shiny. (laughs) And so my eye directly goes there. And I go and I, I have to look at them, even though I know I can't afford one and I don't need one. I immediately go to the boats. Men like shiny boats or men may like shiny cars and and so we'll go to the ones that are clean and look nice and sparkle but what do women like what do women want what's the saying what's a girl's best friend diamonds right diamonds are a girl's best friend and the more those diamonds sparkle the better the more you want them But do you know there's different cuts of diamonds? There's different cuts of gemstones, and some sparkle more than others. Professionally, there's a term, and this term is brilliance. To have the best cut of a gemstone is going to reflect its brilliance best. Now, when talking about brilliance, In a gemstone, they're not just talking about light coming and reflecting off the surface. But the way they cut the diamond or they cut the gemstone will make the light actually, instead of reflecting off the surface, will go into the diamond, go into the stone, and refract within. And so it makes it look like the stone is glowing. That it's actually emanating light rather than just reflecting it. It's coming from the interior of the stone, and we call that fire, the fire of the stone. But scientifically, when a light hits your gemstone and it reflects, you see a sparkle and you see a prism of colors, right? Well, both John and Ezekiel describe God the Father using the imagery of these precious stones as they're not just reflecting light, but refracting light. It's not just looking like it's shining off the the top, but it's actually, this light is emanating from this being. There is a fire. And in fact, Moses, when he first meets God, God is a what? He's a burning bush. He's a fire that does not consume. He's so bright. He has a brilliance. And if you shine a light, scientifically, if you shine a light into a prism, a glass prism or a crystal prism, what do you receive? A rainbow, right? And so John says here that he's like jasper and carnelian and this rainbow that looks like an emerald surrounds the throne. God is so brilliant. He's so full of light. He's causing a great rainbow of color. So John writes of God's brilliance. But then, if you skip down to verse 5, he says, Flashes of lightning and rumbling of thunder is coming from the throne. Throughout the scriptures, lightning and thunder are associated with what we call theophanies. Right? That's God appearing to mankind in a, a physical representation. In Exodus chapter 19, 
Moses had gone up to Mount Sinai. He had spoken with God. It says that on the third day when the morning came, there was thunder and there was lightning. There was a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud blast from a ram's horn so that all the camp shuddered. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they stood at the the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was completely enveloped in smoke because the Lord had come down upon it in fire. And the smoke went up like the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain shook violently. And at the sound of the ram's horn, as it grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. And then throughout the rest of the book of Revelation, lightning and thunder are associated with the seventh judgment, the final judgment as it comes and God appears to his creation. Thunder and lightning are associated with the power of God. He says before the throne there were seven fiery torches, which John immediately informs us was the seven spirits of God. Now, in Revelation, numbers have significance, and seven is the number of completeness. And so we find that these seven spirits are the Holy Spirit of God. And while he's, he seems to play a minor role here, but I want to point out to you that we see the Godhead present. We see the voice of Jesus is called John. We see God the Father seated on his throne. And then we see the Spirit there before the throne. And then in chapter 5, we're going to see Jesus once again coming into the picture as the Lamb of God. One more detail John adds there is that, that there's a crystal sea that is near the throne. It's a minor detail now, and, and it simply reflects the glory of God on his throne. But if we look forward to Revelation chapter 15, we find that at this same crystal sea, all of the believers who have endured the beast and have endured the beast followers, have persevered through until the end, gather this sea to worship God. And so it begins to take a, a, a better, a more in-depth understanding. This is a, a great encouragement for the early believers that John was writing to. Remember that John is writing to a group that has been scattered by persecution. They have Roman emperors who are coming and and persecuting them and trying to kill them. And so they face martyrdom. They rest knowing God is seated on his throne. God is in control and in the end, God makes his will happen in all of history. And when you and I face perhaps economic ruin, or we face ridicule because of our Christian faith from the larger culture, we can persevere knowing that God is in control, that the triune God is working all things out for the good of those who love Him. And understanding this, our reaction should be to worship Him. So notice what the others in the room are doing. As John looked around, he noticed not only were there Was there one throne with this great being seated on it? But there were other thrones surrounding that throne, 24 to be exact. 
And each of those thrones has an elder seated. And in the middle of the room were these four living creatures who were covered in eyes. And, and so we've got these two different groups that are also in the throne room. Look with me at, at verse 7. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes around and, and inside, day and night. They never stopped saying, Holy, 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 Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is coming, or who is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one seated on the throne, to the one who lives forever and ever. So notice the, the praise of these creatures. These, these four creatures are drawn also from the book of Ezekiel. And the number four in Revelation is associated with the idea of creation. So these four creatures represent the whole of creation. Right? The lion. The lion is the king of the jungle. Right? He's the, the leader. The representative, representative of all the wild beasts. And then the ox or the calf, the bull, is representative of the domesticated, domesticated animals, right? The beasts of the field. And then you have eagle, the, the great predator of the sky, who has dominion over all the other birds of the sky. And then you see man, who stands for, of course, humanity. Who has dominion over all. And so this represents the whole of creation. And these notice what these creatures are doing. They're, they're performing the function that creation was designed to, to, to fulfill. Creation exists to praise God. And so day and night, never ceasing, these creatures lead in praise to God. As these creatures praise God, they glorify Him as a being who is separate from Him, from them who is above them. They say He is holy, holy, holy. This is a, a Trinitarian expression. Holy is the Father. Holy is the Son. And holy is the Spirit. He is holy. <coughs> we worship God because He is holy. He is Different from us. He is separate from us. He is creator. We are creation. <clears throat> the creatures. <coughs> excuse me. The creatures praise God because he is eternal. They say he is the one who was. The one who is. And the one who is to come. God has no beginning. God has no end. He's the same today as he was yesterday. He'll be the same tomorrow as he was today. God is eternal. He never changes. And praise the Lord, he is constant. And because of that, we can trust him. That when he says he's going to do something, when he says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. <clears throat> Thank <clears throat> you.
Excuse me. <coughs> the creatures give God glory. They give Him honor. They give Him thanksgiving. What does each of these mean? Well, thanksgiving we understand pretty well, right? We have a whole celebration every year where we get together with family, we eat some turkey, and we take time to give thanks to God for His provision to us. We understand thanksgiving. We understand how to give thanks. We don't always do it to the best of our ability, but we understand it. But to give honor is to recognize that God has great value. You ascribe that value to Him. And so these creatures recognize God's value is indeterminable. He is above all of creation. And to, to give God glory is the idea we're going to make Him famous. We're going to make His name known to everyone. We're going to tell everyone that we come into contact with of, of His goodness. We're going to tell Him of, tell him of His mercy. We're going to tell Him of His grace. We're going to tell Him of His love. We, we seek to make God's name big. Because God is king over all creation. And so these representatives of creation, they lead in praising him. But notice that they're followed by the 24 elders. Look with me at verse 9. <clears throat> Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne, worship the one who lives forever and ever, cast their throne, their crowns before the throne, and say, our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and because of your will they exist and were created. Notice the worship of the elders. In Revelation 12 is the representative number of, of the people of God. And in this scene we see two sets of 12. And we these two sets of 12 are the first 12 are the, the 12 tribes of Israel, right? The, old, the people of the Old Covenant. And then you have the 12 that are the apostles, the, the representatives of the church, those of the, the New Covenant. And these 24 elders are, are seated in thrones that surround God's throne. For Jesus had promised to those who, who keep His works to the end that He would give them the right to sit with Him on the throne, which he shares with his father. They're dressed in white, just as Jesus promised to the ones who conquer back in Revelation chapter 3. In addition, they're wearing their golden laurels, their golden crowns that were promised to them by Christ in Revelations 2 and 3 in his letters to the churches. So in other words, they're wearing, they, have, they possess the rewards that Christ gave to those who were faithful in his seven letters to the seven churches. So these are the ones who have endured to become conquerors. But whenever these creatures stand up and lead in worship, these 24 elders, they rise up, abandoning their throne. They take off their crown, and they cast toward the throne in celebration. Think back to your graduation. Think to that moment when the principal, or, or if it's from college, maybe the dean, says, congratulations, you are now graduates of the class of whatever year you graduate. You take your cap off and you throw it up in the air in celebration. You begin 
high-fiving one another, hugging one another, hooping and hollering in celebration because you did it, you have graduated. This is the scene that we're seeing here. These elders stand up in praise and they rip off their crowns and they throw them up in the air and they worship God. They praise Yahweh as the creator and only true king. Notice the only activity that we see in this chapter is that of praise. Praise that is led by these four living creatures. And these 24 elders participate in praise toward the God of all creation. This is the response that we should have toward our creator. And especially the people of God. We have a doxological deficiency. Rather than than worshiping God, the Creator, all humanity has turned away from Him, chasing after lesser things. In fact, the Bible says that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. And because we have gone astray, we deserve death. But God loved us so much that He sent a lamb, the lamb, His Son, only begotten Son named Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ, who died on a cross in a far away, a far away land, who was despised and rejected. He died on a cross to redeem you and I from our rebellion against the Creator. He paid the price for our sin, but then He rose from the grave on the third day. And so Paul writes, It was for this reason that God exalted Jesus and gave him the name that is above all names. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, one day you will kneel in worship before him. But you don't have to wait until that day. I invite you to begin today. If you've not accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you've not confessed Him as Lord, do so today. But I want to invite all of us, everyone that's here today, to join me in a time of worship. If you're able, if you're physically able, I invite you to to take a knee with me where you are, Lift up your hands to the Father. So if you would join me, taking a knee before the Lord. Lifting up your hands, close your eyes and picture this scene that we see in Revelation chapter 4. Of God the Creator seated on His throne. And Pray with me. Father God, we see you seated on your throne. Lord, you are holy, holy, holy. You are worthy of all worship. You're worthy of all power. You're worthy of all praise. And we offer it up to you. Jesus, you have redeemed us from our sin. You have redeemed us from our death. You have paid the penalty and the price for us. Lord, you are worthy of all honor and glory and power and praise. Lord God, may your people... Never cease to worship you. Lord God, may your name be praised 
forevermore. Lord, we lift this praise up to you in the name that is above all names. The name of Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son. And by the power of your Spirit. Amen. If you would please stand with me as we have a time of invitation. A time to respond to the word of the Lord. However he leads you. Colton's going to lead us in a song. Response to the Lord. Colton, what number? Hymn number 309. I've won. 